Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from Reading, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. I am beyond excited for the trade deadline. We've already seen some deals happen, and just the the buzz and the unknown during this time of the year, I just soak it up. Yeah, I'm with you. Twitter is always open uh, on my phone this time of year, because you never know. Also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you? I am very invigorated by a Red Sox acquisition with, what was it, the Giants? Yep. For a reliever I've never heard of. (laughs) And it's just splendid. He's got a 1.68 ERA this season in five appearances. So hopefully we're going to talk some trade deadline here. Hopefully we're not just one and done (laughs) with uh, that, but we might be. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Red Sox did make a minor move uh, tonight, which we'll get into. And really it's just it's a question of what are the Red Sox actually going to do at the trade deadline, which is just a few days away Came up fast, but it, it's it's pretty much upon us. Red Sox are coming off a, a pretty big high, you know, sweeping the Atlanta Braves at home. They're now out on the West Coast, which is always can be a little bit dicey. Um, but look, the the GM said, you know, it's going to depend on how the team performs, and that will determine what we do. So the question now is, has the team done enough for them to be buyers? You know, are they still going to be sellers of, of some kind or are they just going to do small buys? It, there's a lot of different directions that, that they could go. So, Micah, let me ask you, like, what in what do you feel like the Red Sox are going to do? What is your sense, given how the team's performed the last week or so and heading into the deadline on Tuesday? What do you think they'll be doing? If the deadline is based on how they've performed, They've knocked it out of the park because 14 and five in the month of July, best record in July. You can't do any better than that. I mean, we we joked off off uh, the recording that five, two of their five losses were against the freaking Athletics, but they're still 14 and five, and they put themselves right in the mix. So they they have done what the front office asked them to do. Now they still have four more games until the actual deadline. So they could go 0-4 and then they go 14-9 and and things look a little different. But to me, this this organization is desperate for a starting pitcher. They've been rolling out two starters that you feel really good about and then Cutter Crawford, who I think is fine as a, a number five starter, but they're still only really working with three starters Pavetta has been a bulk guy acting like a starter, but they really need a guy who can eat innings for the final two months because I'm just not sure the bullpen can continue to be worked like they currently are. So I think they need a starting pitcher. The problem is 
Heim Bloom came out and said that they're really not interested in a rental, which is the best way to improve the rotation because you're not going to have to give up a top 10 prospect. But if they are going to acquire a pitcher that has team control and that's going to be a part of the next couple of Red Sox teams, Heim Bloom is going to have to do something he has yet to do as the leader of the Red Sox organization, and that is trade a top prospect. Will he do it? I'm not too sure, but if you're going to acquire a, a Mitch Keller type pitcher from the Pirates, it's going to cost you a probably number four, five prospect and maybe a couple other guys. Like You're not going to get a player like that for essentially a low-level prospect. It's just not going to happen. So I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen. I'm just hoping that the Red Sox don't say, well, we have – so many guys coming back. Story, Sale, Whitlock, Hauk, those are our deadline additions. Like that's not that's not enough. Will those guys help this roster? Absolutely. But I think until specifically the pitchers are back and healthy and ready to go, because the three pitchers are still probably two or three weeks away, this team needs a starter in the worst way. Terry, what is your assessment of what do you think the Red Sox will be doing? I think they are going to be buyers to some degree. Might be a small degree. Um, but I, it's not going to be... The, the Angels just acquired Lucas Chiolito, so that goes against what Micah was just saying. You're not going for a rental. You know, and here's another name, and we talked about him, and this is shooting for the moon. I don't think this is going to happen, but one of the key words Bloom said was, you know, a controllable arm. You could possibly go get Dylan Cease, even though the White Sox say he's not available. <laughs> I mean, you dangle the right trade package, he's going to be available. But he's not going to do that either. I mean, Fangraphs has the Red Sox farm system ranked fifth. Now, I think that's sky high. I, I think we're probably realistically 10th through 14th because we don't have pitching. All our pitching is in A-ball. It's just too far away. We don't really know what those guys are. There's no pitching in the Red Sox farm system uh, in the upper levels. So I don't, I don't know how you get to fifth in MLB without – at least one or two, you know, decent prospects coming up, whether it's a Tanner Houck who was, you know, he was, uh, he, I, he wasn't a top prospect, but he was a name that we all kept an eye on. We don't really have that. So I don't think Bloom is going to go after a guy like Cease. That'll probably cost you maybe at least, what, two top five guys, I would think. You're, you might be able to avoid giving up Meyer, but you're giving up probably Blaise, maybe Nick York, Blaze Jordan. It's going to be a package you don't want to, you know, you don't want to give up. And if Bloom does give up that type of a deal, now your farm system, if it really was ranked fifth, now you're back to 17th because you just gave up a massive haul. Uh, so that's not going to happen. Like nothing sexy is going to happen this week. 
And I think what could happen is there could be an 11th hour deal on deadline day. Maybe a team didn't quite get the price they wanted for their starting pitcher, and Bloom is going to be able to swoop in and get him for a, a much lower price because, you know, the receiving team wants something for the pitcher. Uh, a good example of this could be Nathan Avaldi, like that type of a deal from 2018, I mean. Um, you know, go go back to 2018. Was Nathan Avaldi on your radar as someone the Red Sox would possibly trade? And I went, this was a long time ago, and you can still go back and listen to those episodes if you want. Uh, but I was, that's exactly what I was saying is I didn't expect the Red Sox to make a big move that summer. I, I think they'll do something, and it's going to be somebody not on the radar. Sure enough, Nathan Avaldi. Name never crossed my mind. I never considered him as a trade target, and it worked out pretty good. So I, I think something like that, and Nathan Avaldi wasn't even Nathan Avaldi yet. He's not, like, he wasn't established yet. He was coming back from Tommy John, which is right up Bloom's alley, as we know. <laughs> You know, oh, you had Tommy John. Oh, here you go. Here's two years with a team option or one year with a team option. Um, so it's going to be something like that. It, if anything more than minor happens, it's going to be it's going to be the 11th hour. And, you know, for for not a lot of prospects. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I don't see a blockbuster on the horizon coming from High and Bloom because I don't see him doing anything close to what the Angels just did. They just gave up their number two and number three ranked prospects for rentals. Like, no way is High and Bloom doing that. Um, and if you're talking about pitchers with term, you know, or pitchers that are controllable beyond this year, like you said, Terry, if number two and number three is sort of setting the market, for a rental, what's it going to take to get a Dylan Cease or someone like that? It's going to take probably even more. Um, you know, that whole fan graphs bumping their farm system up to number five in baseball, that's no small thing. I mean, that that's a big deal to the Red Sox front office and the way that they want to run things. So um, I, I don't foresee them shipping out a package of those guys, having their prospect ranking take another hit for – a rental or even for a guy that if he has term, you know, may not be, it may not be Dylan Cease. You know, it could be something less than that. And I just don't see them making that move. I think you will see a minor move be made. Um, you know, maybe you go out and get like a Paul Blackburn from Oakland or something. Maybe he's that Nathan Avaldi type of move. Not that he's anything like Nathan Avaldi in terms of velocity and all that. But he's a veteran pitcher who's on a team that's going nowhere. And, you know, maybe, you know, Red Sox don't have to give up much to get him. He comes here. He kind of fills in that back end of the rotation role. And you go from there. I, I think it's more likely that they make a move like that than, you know, go after Stroman or Dylan Cease or, you know, any guy like that. Um, it'll be minor stuff, minor tweaks here and there, but nothing – you know, nothing splashy and maybe that's okay. You know, maybe the way the team's going right now, maybe they don't need a big splash type of move. I mean, they're, they're playing good baseball right now. 
I think you really just need a back-end rotation guy, some bullpen help, you know, and you should be good to go. I don't even think you need to worry about the offense. The offense is fine. You're going to be getting, you know, story back pretty soon. Duvall's healthy. You know, like everyone's kind of the, – the offense is going really well right now. Connor Wong is emerging. Um, Reese McGuire will be healthy again soon. So it's really just going to be pitching. But I agree, like in terms of big, big moves, no, I, I don't see anything major happening. Um, I think you'll get more moves like what they already did, getting a no-name reliever for another you know, and trading away their own no-name reliever to get him. I think that's more likely to happen. Will they sell, you know, from a position where we have a surplus? Like, you could argue sort of that we have a surplus of outfielders. It's gone down a little bit because Kike Hernandez no longer with the team, and conceivably he could have been uh, an outfielder had there been a key injury. But, you know, could an Alex Verdugo or an Adam Duvall perhaps get dealt? And I know the Braves are linked to Duvall, and maybe they want him even more after that solo shot he had in the second game of the series uh, to add on an insurance run. But so I'm just wondering, you know, if that's a, a potential move they could make. Well, the Verdugo one is becoming interesting because his comments the other day about, you know, when they asked him about his contract situation, he said, well, I'm just going to go year by year at this point. It, it came off as like a dejected, a guy who knows that he's not getting an extension. You know, it came off as a very dejected sort of, yeah, I guess I'm just going year by year. Um, it, it leads me to believe that if there were any conversations between Verdugo and the Red Sox about an extension, they didn't go well. Or they were very brief where, you know, maybe the Red Sox just flat out just wouldn't commit to exploring a contract extension with him. And maybe that's tied to the slump that he's in because offensively he has been in a slump made a great catch in the Atlanta series um, late in that game, but didn't do anything else. And, you know, he's been benched for multiple games and it's the, the Alex Verdugo situation is very strange right now. And I guess I wouldn't be shocked if something were to happen there, but you know, it would depend on what's he being moved for. Cause you do have a surplus of outfielders right now, but that's also kind of a good thing to have going into a wild card chase, a wild card hunt, potentially a division race if they really get hot. Um, so if you're trading Alex Verdugo, it better be for, you know, a, a package like a Dylan Cease or something like that. Because otherwise, if you're just trading him away for prospects or swapping outfielders, I'm not sure I'd be in favor of that. I think I was on board for an Adam Duvall trade maybe like two weeks ago. But I think my tone has completely changed on that because you're having a guy like Duran, he's entering uncharted territory in a big league season. He's never played this many games. And, you know, the minor league system stops at the end of August. So he's not used to playing September baseball. And I think having two right-handed bats in the outfield and ref Snyder and Duvall. I like that for you know, to, to come to go with the three lefties in the outfield. I think you have a lot of quality bats. 
and you can pinch hit guys and play matchups more when you have those options. And what are you going to get for Duvall? Are you going to get a, a team's 15th prospect? Like the Braves, if, if say the Braves wanted him, the Braves don't have a good farm system anymore because they've traded away a lot of their, their top prospects. So the Braves 15th prospect probably doesn't even land in the top 25 of the Red Sox farm system now. So why trade a guy who can give you good pinch hit at bats and, and provide some power, um, whether off the bench or against lefties? I don't see why you would trade him away. And you never know when an injury is going to happen. I don't see why you would move a guy like that when you can keep depth and have a decent bench. Because I think the Red Sox, when Story comes back, they're going to have a decent bench where you're like, okay, you can pinch at this guy, you can pinch at that guy. And you feel decent about those guys going up to the plate. You don't have, um, you know, that catcher Hamilton coming into the game and you're like, oh my gosh, like this guy is hitting 122. You know, it'd be, it would be nice to see the Red Sox have guys where you can say, you know what, eighth inning, Adam Duvall's up and, you know, he could run into one and, and, and make a big hit. I feel like that's the way they they should operate with because they're playing good baseball too. That's the thing. Don't don't subtract anymore. Kike was a necessary subtract. I don't think Adam Duvall would be a necessary subtraction. Is it possible that the Red Sox are potentially looking at trading Verdugo for pitching? You know, whether it's a frontline or mid mid range starter, something like that. And doing with Adam Duvall what they did with Kike, where he's under a one-year contract right now, but if he plays well down the stretch, they give him another one-year deal after this, and that's your outfield going into next year. It's Yoshida, Duvall, Duran, or whatever you know machination of that you wanted to. Because part of me does wonder, like, why wouldn't you want to extend Alex Verdugo? Like, especially early on this year when he was playing really well, like. We talked about it. It's, he's not going to command, you know, I, I don't think he would have to give him the Brandon Nimmo contract. You could probably get away with a little bit less than that. Um, that's not terrible, but maybe they're just in a spot where they'd rather extend Bayo, Casas, guys like that, and not extend Ferdugo because he's a little bit older and they think that maybe this is his ceiling. So I just wonder if that's maybe what they're thinking. I think if Verdugo gets traded, it's going to be mostly for prospects. I don't think there's going to be much going on. They might want the the other team's fourth outfielder just for depth, but I don't. I don't think. I mean, w w you're not going to get an a, you know like a starting pitcher in a Verdugo trade because the team's trying to go for it. You know, they're trying to go for it. So they're not going to, you know, bolster their offense, but then weaken their pitching. Like, they want to get stronger. So I think prospects only really make sense uh, in a, um, you know, in a, in a Verdugo-type deal. And they're only trading from areas of surplus anyway. Um, you could, I mean, you're not getting anything for Yu Chang or Pablo Lopez probably not getting anything for Christian Arroyo either. So those are just going to be more like a, just a general subtraction, you know, like what, you know, what happened with Kike Hernandez this week. But 
you've got a couple of outfielders that are good trade chips in terms of prospects. Like you should be able to get, you know, maybe a lower top 10 prospect, at least I think for an Alex Verdugo type guy, not so much with Duvall. I think he's much lower end, but, and as far as the contract goes for Verdugo, I think he's closer to Andrew Benintendi. I think that's the type of a deal he would get. Cause in order to get to where Nemo is, you, you have to be a, a legit power hitter and I don't have Verdugo stats up in front of me, but I mean, he's probably hit single digit home runs and, uh, and I, he's, I think only hit maybe one or two since the start of June. So I, I don't think his contract gets too high. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I always thought that if they were going to give him an extension, it would be like the Benatendi deal, which again, I still don't think is, that bad. I, I think they could easily do it if they wanted to, but there's there definitely seems to be a clear divide between him and the Red Sox right now. And I just that's why I, I just brought it up because I think that if you know we said earlier nothing splashy, but if there was ever to be something splashy, trading Alex Verdugo for prospects and just sort of saying this is your outfield now, Yoshida, Duval, Duran, you know, I, I could see that happening, especially with them moving them all through the lineup, it's almost like even Alex Cora doesn't really know what to do with them or how to get them going, um, which is bizarre. And a lot of it has to do with Jaron Duran because he's so good out of the leadoff spot. Um, his numbers when he hits leadoff are ridiculous. So as good as Verdugo was in that spot, Duran has kind of taken it over. So I don't know. I just wonder if, you know, if a team comes calling about Verdugo, if they would, uh, if they would consider it, but I still think it's a long shot. It's so weird that the timing of this slump for Verdugo, I mean, he's lost his leadoff spot. I mean, Jaron Duran's probably going to keep that barring, uh, you know, against a lefty starter. And I just, this is probably the worst slump of Verdugo's career. I would say, (laughs) I mean, he's hitting well under 200, you know, mid one, you know, right around 150, and I just, it's going to be interesting. And is that hurting his value? I don't think it should because, you know, he's got a pretty big sample size here to go by, but, but just, it's interesting right now. I don't yeah, really I mean, know what he's, else to say. Yeah. He's not even having good at bats. Like it'd be one thing if he was, you know, you know, hitting the ball real hard, you know, hard contact, but he's just getting unlucky or something like that. But he's, he looks lost up there. He's striking out looking a lot. He's, he looks defeated every time he walks away from the batter's box. It's just his body language is bad. Yeah, It's very bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if something's going on there, but it is a bad time. And a weird time for him to be having a slump because the team's going well right now. I mean, he should be pretty happy, even though, yeah, okay, you lost the leadoff spot, but you're still in the lineup every day. So it is odd, yeah. I remember in Minnesota he had he came up with the bases loaded and hit that ball down the right field line, and he had a bases clear and triple, I think. And then someone in his family passed away. Because then he went, he went away. He he was on the bereavement list for four or five days. He missed the entire Chicago series, I think. 
And since he's come back from that uh, absence, I just don't think he's been mentally there. And I mean, I've lost people in my life. So like, I get it. I'm not blaming him for that, but it's just, I, I think there's a correlation there that something happened in his life that was pretty tragic. And I just don't think that we're quite seeing the same, um, the same focused Alex Verdugo and which is a shame because I I'm a big fan and I hope he can, he can find it. I would be bummed if they trade him, but I just, I don't know. Something is definitely off because usually you don't see him down in the dumps. You see him, you know, jawing and, 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 and kind of, he's the energy guy. And I don't think we've seen that over the last month. I, I, the only one I can think of is, the 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 go ahead home run against Romano in Toronto that was kind of like hey there's Alex Verdugo again but that's the only moment I can really think of in the last month. It's a shame that the Yankees aren't on the schedule earlier because you mentioned he's the emotion guy he hates the Yankees or at the very least he he gets enjoyment out of uh, playing well against them so a, a Yankee series I feel like would would kind of get him right but. Uh, that's that's a bit of a ways off, unfortunately. So we'll see with with Verdugo. We'll see how he does on this West Coast trip. We'll see if he's still here after next Tuesday. I personally hope that he is. But again, it is that time of year. Anything can happen. Um, but I think we're all pretty much agreed that for the Red Sox, it might be a little quiet this year around the deadline. Maybe some small moves here and there, but nothing nothing major because. They do have a lot of guys coming back with Story and Hauk, uh, you know, Whitlock at some point, maybe Chris Sale in some capacity, who the hell knows. Um, so I think that that will more likely be their trade deadline, uh, which I know a lot of fans hate. But at the same time, do you want to go, you want to turn around and do what the Angels just did? Because if I'm an Angels fan, I don't, I don't feel good about that uh, at all. So um, any other thoughts on the trade deadline or, you know, what might be coming our way or even MLB wide, what, what might be happening. I know that some guys have been reportedly uh, pulled off the market, but it depends on how much you believe that. Uh, yeah, I have one. I, I'd i have to go back and do research, but the only player that I can really think of that or only prospect that I can really think of that was traded for a rental in the last five, six years a top prospect was Glaber Torres for Araldis Chapman. Like that's the only one I can really think of. And the angels kind of just broke that with trading their two and three prospects for, um, for rentals for, for C or for Giolito and Lopez. So I'm curious what that does for the market, because that was kind of like a foreign idea over the last four or five years and I'm curious with – because I think the American League in particular is so wide open. I'm curious if other teams say, you know what, I am going to put more chips into the into the pile and I'm going to go for it a little bit more and I'm willing to give up you know, one of my top ten prospects or even a top five prospect. I'm just curious if that is more of a trend this year than in years past. Yeah, I feel like the Angels just threw a big monkey wrench into everything. So it will be interesting to see how other teams respond to that. 
Well, the the Soto deal. I mean, Mackenzie Gore went to, you know, Washington, and that. I, I think that's. Somewhat- but Soto wasn't a rental. That's the thing. Like, oh, yeah, Lopez and Giolito are rentals, and when Torres was traded for Chapman, Chapman was strictly a rental and was a free agent at the end of the year. So I can't think of off the top of my head. A, a, an organization trading a top five prospect for a rental. I'm sure it's happened. Maybe the Max Scherzer trade. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's happened, but Trey Turner was involved in that trade with the Dodgers too. So he wasn't a rental. So I don't know. I'd have to do some research, but I I'm curious if, if teams are more willing to move prospects than in years past. Yeah. I mean, a close, somewhat close example would be the Braves gave up their number one prospect for Murphy. That was in the winter with one year of control. So I don't know if that's uh, a rental per se, but um, that, that was, uh, that was a big move, but um, yeah, I had a trade uh, scenario in mind. Oh no, no, no. I was going to mention with the angels, like it's ironic because just a few hours ago, I think during the Red Sox game, they broke the news that the the Angels were gonna not trade Shohei Otani, and I'm like, yeah, right. You know, they're they're just not getting the price that they want, and they'll they'll end up trading him by you know Monday or Tuesday, and then you know then the Giolito trade happens and. It makes sense now. Yeah, they're really not trading him. I mean, yeah, they definitely aren't. But, boy, that's a – talk about a gamble. You give up number two and number three in your system, which their system's not great to begin with, but you're dealing from the top five. Uh, you're, you know, trading for rentals, and basically this is their way of saying to Shohei, like, hey, we're going for it. Okay, hope you win the World Series now because, I mean – Anything short of making it to the ALCS of the World Series, is that going to convince Shohei to stay with the Angels and, and sign long-term? Because he's going to sit there. If they miss the playoffs, he's going to sit there and go, well, why would I sign when there's no future here? You're, you're, you have no prospects. Trout's not getting any younger. Um, the rest of the team's not getting any younger. You don't, like, you just trade away number two and number three in your system. Probably you trade away your who could be your future catcher. So why would I re-sign here? Why wouldn't I just go sign with the Dodgers who pump out prospects left and right? So the strategy by the Angels is really bold, and, and I would say too bold. It, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to work at all. You could have strengthened your farm system. Even if you didn't get the price you want, you could have bolstered it by trading Otani, but instead you went the opposite direction and you weakened it. And... We haven't heard of any offers from the Angels to Otani, and I, I think that's interesting. I, I'm sure there's been conversations, but you know, if they offered him, let's say, you know, five hundred million, would he turn it down just to have a chance to win someplace and get a still comparable contract? I think he wants to win. I, I think playing in that WBC under those extremely bright lights and then not only that, but winning it, I think he craves that from an MLB aspect. Yeah, and you have to wonder too, playing alongside Mike Trout for as long as he's had, if he just looks at Trout and goes, well, 
what's the point of being considered the greatest in your sport if you never win? Like that, that doesn't seem worth it. So that might play into it too. I'm impressed that Otani has been as marketable as he has been. Because if you think about it, he plays for a bad team that never makes the playoffs. And everybody on the East Coast is going to bed by the time he takes the mound. Yeah, he's still fairly marketable. But man, if he if he was ever willing to come to the East Coast, you know, whether it's any of the New York teams, Boston, I still don't think that would happen, but the Braves aren't the type of team, you know, they're a mid-market team despite being a juggernaut right now. Um so I don't know who who else would really be a fit on the East Coast. The Phillies get crazy every now and then, but yeah, yeah. Possibly, possibly Miami. They hand out stupid money every now and then. Yeah, but, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You, you um, said Terry that would it be like would he take a deal if the Angels were the highest bidder? I would say no because say a team offers him thirty or forty million less than the Angels, if he goes to a contending team he's going to easily make up that money in marketing because he's going to be in October and he's going to be the face of baseball. It's, I can't believe he's the face of baseball on a trash team. Like I don't think Mike Trout was really ever the face of baseball on the angels because they were terrible. And which is, I hate saying that it's a shame for baseball because Trout was incredible for, you know, six or seven years. He was far ahead of everybody else, but it's amazing Otani's been as marketable as he is, but imagine him in October. He would be on every commercial, and he would be the biggest. He, he would compete with – I really think he could compete with NFL-level you know, marketing if he plays in October in the ALCS or NLCS or the World Series. And just He's that marketable because he's just – what he's doing is we've never seen anything like it. Yeah, and Mike Trout, I mean, is extremely vanilla. I mean, even Otani, who speaks limited English, he's still funny. Like, you know, he's been in commercials and can make you laugh. And um, one of my favorite things, I'm probably taking a liberty talking about this, but um, one of my favorite things about Otani is, I think it was two seasons ago, is it Jack Buck? Is he the... uh, that no, I'm getting the name wrong. The um, Jack Morris, that's who it was. Jack Morris, the um, Minnesota Twins broadcaster, got in trouble and and suspended. I think for the remainder of the season for kind of you know imitating Otani in a in an Asian accent. And I didn't. It what wasn't a smart thing to do, but I didn't think it was insanely egregious. I mean, we just had a you know, an Oakland announcer get fired for something that was very egregious <laughs> and uh, saying the N-word, basically. Uh, it was a mistake, but it just, it, the way it came out, it was like, <laughs> it just sounded very, you know, like he, you know, he said that word before. Um, but uh, when the, the Jack Morris stuff came out, Otani, like, was asked about it and he goes, I don't think he should have gotten in trouble for that. I don't have a problem with that. And it's just, it's one of the things I love about Otani. You know, he's just easygoing. He's positive in every aspect. And 
you know, I I love Shohei Otani, and selfishly, I hope he does end up on the East Coast, even if it's not with us. But um, I'm a big fan, and he's pro- he might end up being the greatest player of our lifetime. I mean, who do you? How do you? There's no one to compare him to. You got to go back literally over a hundred years to Babe Ruth, and um, so I I hope he ends up somewhere cool. And if he wins a World Series, I'll probably be fine with it as long as it's not at our expense. Or, well, God forbid, he signs with New York, but uh, with the Yankees, I mean, I don't really have a problem with the Mets, but. Um, but yeah, but they would have way too many DHs anyway. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's it's a shame that uh, seemingly at least we're not going to get the Shohei Otani sweepstakes this week at the trade deadline. But I guess we'll just have to be patient, wait until the off season when uh, he's a free agent. So um, with that, we're going to wrap up this roundtable episode. So. The weekend crew will have you guys next. They'll be recapping the Giants series from this weekend. And uh, keep an eye out because it is, you know, trade deadline season. So if the Red Sox do something big or they make any move whatsoever, we will have you covered for that. So keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter accounts, on the podcast accounts, all that stuff. Uh, So everyone take care.